Welcome to Series 2 of the Dear Moving Podcast, where we share with you how we're enabling people to get moving. I'm Eve, Strategic Director at Greater Sport, leading, supporting and connecting GM Moving, Greater Manchester's movement for movement. Supported by investment from Sport England, Greater Manchester Partners have been taking a whole system, place-based approach to embed physical activity into everything for happier, healthier, more connected communities and active lives for all. In each episode, we share stories of what this looks like in action in each of the 10 boroughs of Greater Manchester. In today's episode, I speak with Tom Howarth, Sport and Physical Activity Relationship Manager at Trafford Council, and I welcome back Richard from Greater Sport, who is leading on the local pilot and place-based work. Trafford is known for its sporting prowess, to include being home to Manchester United Football Club and to Old Trafford Cricket Ground. Active Lives data suggests that Trafford has the highest physical activity rates of the 10 GM boroughs. However, Active Lives data shows a big gap of almost 30% in people's activity levels across different socioeconomic groups, mirroring local inequalities and gaps in health outcomes. So, Let's join Tom and Richard for this episode's conversation to find out how they are making connections, building relationships and creating energy for change to close the inactivity gap. Welcome Tom and Richard, great to have you here. I know we're on Zoom this time today for a number of reasons, so I'm sat here in my garden shed in Wally Range. Uh, And where are you Tom? I'm sat here in my office in the often sunny Western Supermare. And I have to say it's looking glorious from your picture. I'm quite jealous. Where are you, Richard? Uh, I am at the sunny Etihad in the National Squash Centre. And there is a the European Championships for Taekwondo taking place. So apologies if there's a lot of noise, but we have spectators wandering in and out the building and hordes of school children coming to be inspired by a national event, international event actually, European event, so yeah. Um, I look forward to hearing cheers or whatever else is going on. So Tom, the, the kind of focus of this conversation really is your experiences in your work in Trafford um, as part of the local pilot, but want to start really more personally with you and, you know, why moving matters to you and a little bit, I suppose, about your story. I'm a sports person, so that's probably one of my immediate links to the uh, the power of movement but I suppose more broadly in the what will be almost 20 years plus that I've navigated around or bumped around in the in the sector in various different guises be those voluntary and paid it's the impact that sport and physical activity and movement that can make on individuals and communities which is the kind of the motivational grease that keeps me going and keeps me advocating for change despite all of the other pressures, priorities and challenges that people face in their everyday lives these days. And I suppose probably when it become more pertinent to me is I lost my mother to a heart attack about four years ago. It was one of those situations where despite advocating for physical activity for pretty much all my life, there wasn't an impact I can make to an individual in my immediate inner circle. And that brought home how challenging that can be for people. But then also it kind of brought me closer in terms of a lived experience for the communities and the individuals we're trying to break ground with. 
you kind of get a better sense of kind of the importance of getting those messages across and the importance of making a difference because it, it, it you know I know it sounds quite extreme and to some people but it, it can literally make the difference between life or death for some individuals and I've also become much more aware of the importance of physical activity and movement in my own uh, mental health and wellness space particularly with the day-to-day stresses of work very much being in this um, slightly disconnected kind of working pattern where you know probably 99% of my work is virtual being able to engage in sport and physical activity gives me an opportunity to physically connect with people and physically connect with the environment. I'd probably say it's been a, a bit of a, a godsend as, as I've navigated the move from Manchester to Western and continued sort of working in, in a remote fashion. I love this idea of the uh, motivational grease as we all bump along together. It just feels like we're probably going to do in this conversation. So um, yeah, we'll hold on to that. So what are we most likely to find you how are we most likely to find you moving, I suppose, in, in Western Supermare? What are you most likely to be doing? You are most likely to find me in the local CrossFit affiliate. And alternatively to that, you'll find me on a, a tucked rugby pitch somewhere in the southwest, trying to uh, continue my uh, lifelong passion with uh, the oval ball. Fabulous. So back to your role and your yeah, professional role within Trafford. Can you just tell us a bit about your job? I am a sport and physical activity relationship manager at Trafford Council. It's quite a long title and it's suitably long to cover quite a lot of areas, some obvious and some not so obvious. In essence, despite the title, uh, my role pretty much covers anything to do with sport, physical activity and, and leisure within the borough. We are leading on coordinating or providing, I suppose, almost advice and guidance to other stakeholders and partners within in Trafford from BCSE and community sport organisations right through to some of our community sports foundations. It's a, an interesting balancing act in terms of the, the more traditional roles you'd see at sort of, I suppose, a local authority sports development, leisure function, looking after our facilities, drawing in investment and supporting our community sports clubs to kind of more, I suppose, the, the more kind of abstract work around things like trying to understand what motivates people how we connect the world of sport and physical activity and leisure to our colleagues in health and social care and create a bit of a, a united front a united movement around trying to encourage people to be physically active so can i ask a quick question mm-hmm. you said relationship manager where traditionally in councils there'd be development officers or development managers so why why relationship manager in in Trafford what, what's what's the connotation you're trying to create with that we are significantly smaller team compared to some of our colleagues in other local authorities in Greater Manchester and there was an acknowledgement within the early stages of our sport and physical activity strategy that people are the things that make things happen uh, it's not necessarily about the built space or the money that flows into a space or out of the space it's more of the relationships between those stakeholders and individuals. And probably the, the significant proportion of my time is trying to unpick, understand and narrate relationships between partners and individuals and almost kind of bring people together or suggest opportunities that might bring people together and kind of create a very organic movement within Trafford. And that's on a practical level because we don't have the capacity to be out and doing and 
being involved in everything. So we kind of have to do it quite a lot by proxy and probably because there's a recognition that that's probably a better way to do things in terms of being more relationship focused than necessarily being focused on the what would probably be traditionally the more tangible elements of, of this sector. So Trafford, anyone that thinks of who doesn't know Trafford very well probably thinks, well, here we go to describe somewhere that's fairly affluent in comparison to a lot of the other localities in Greater Manchester, has this, you know, great sporting identity, um, home to the old Trafford Cricket Club, home to Man United. But in that context, you still have a significant percentage, about 30%, maybe a bit less, who are currently defined as inactive, who aren't doing sort of 30 minutes of physical activity a week. There are pockets of it deprivation that lead to some quite significant health inequalities that are probably hidden behind some of those numbers, which is the kind of area of work and challenge that I find myself dealing with mostly is is how we create some parity in the borough in terms of um, people's access to opportunities to be physically active, but also empowering people to understand that they have the knowledge and the capability to be active, despite the other priorities that they may face. And to kind of maybe bring that home a little bit more in terms of the areas that we, that those areas of affluence to those areas where there's more challenges, approximately a 16-year gap in healthy life expectancy between those places and a significant disproportionate level of outcomes and opportunities and, I suppose, perceived opportunity as well. What role has the, the local pilot then played in your work and in your journey? An opportunity to drive and create energy is probably the, the biggest way I'd describe how the local pilot has affected the work that we do in um, Trafford it's been an exciting opportunity it's provided an opportunity for us to do things differently and use it as a a point of leverage in terms of that relationship building generally speaking when we're engaging with partners and stakeholders there's this kind of overwhelming sense that people understand that it's positive to be active to be moving but in a lot of senses there was always a a but or something that sat behind that meant that that organization wasn't necessarily having the traction it wanted to was making the connections with local people to move from sort of contemplation to action and I think the local pilot because of the less structured approach that we took in terms of it wasn't about specific outputs it was about almost using it to come back to the sort of test and learn language to kind of get into place and go let's see what happens, let's work with local people and kind of use the means that we have to connect with the motivation that they've got to create some energy in that space. It enabled us to move into conversations and create opportunities, whereas normally, coming back to the issue of capacity, there'll be a lot of conversations where we would just have to play the role of active listener. We didn't have the capability to go, oh, we we can interject there and provide finance or knowledge or connection with another partner to start making things happen in terms of how it's affected me as a sort of, I suppose a practitioner in this space it's probably re-energized where that motivational grace was getting a bit too thick and harder to move it's kind of loosened that up and I think took away some of the constrictive processes and systems around delivering physical activity that I found quite constrictive in terms of delivering 
as we would traditionally to fix kind of outcomes, to fix timelines or to fix budgets or, you know, being a, 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 a bums on seats exercise. Whereas this has been very much around putting yourself in, in situations that you probably wouldn't normally, in situations where you're actively engaging people to challenge you and tell you how badly or poorly you're doing things. So you can think about really proactive and, and I suppose innovative solutions to those problems or you know pebbles in a pond to start a ripple effect and using that kind of maximum you're starting somewhere and then just following it everywhere yeah it took us on some weird and wonderful journeys always love a weird and wonderful journey <laughs> that's always good so there's um there's kind of the energizing something about freedom there that you describe it's less restrictive um and it's enabled things to flow and, and test and, and learn as as you go along are there any other particular capabilities if you want to use that language or skills or learning that you have developed or that you've seen others in the local sort of workforce in its most holistic paid non-paid that you think have have been yeah supported through the local pilot approach the significant change is probably how organizations individuals interact with each other and I'm seeing colleagues within our traffic moving partnership which is a sort of a group of organizations and individuals that are motivated to make change through physical activity and movement are being much more broader in terms of their worldview about how that can be delivered whereas I think we were when we first introduced the local pilot we were bumping up against that quite blinkered view of there was only a certain number of stakeholders that could really make a difference in this space And what we realised quite quickly through the local pilot and building new and innovative relationships is that anybody can be an advocate for physical activity and movement. And there's lots of sort of brief moments and interventions that with the right leverage conversation or the connection of two individuals or two organisations, beautiful things can happen. We've been able to sort of encourage partners to have patience with the problem, if you understand what I mean. I think ultimately there was a very much a a sense of that if we just do this now for this period of time it will make all the difference but what we've actually realized is that the stuff we're doing now is is the stuff that will be percolating within communities and individuals for years to come and I think sometimes when you start talking about those kind of that temporal side of behavior change it can be quite challenging for partners because it's less they can't see the outcome there and then that's very difficult for people to plan and prioritise around. But ultimately, what we've been able to demonstrate over the last three or four years of doing this work is that's fine and that's okay. And and what I've seen is leaders in that partnership become a lot more comfortable with the the messier side of working with communities and co-producing opportunity and, and be less kind of focused on that traditional kind of rigid sense of numbers and it's got to be at just the right budget and it's got to be just the right outcome whereas I think that was a, a greater sense of community we're all in it together but there's a lot more reassuring trust is probably what I would say it's a level of trust that's kind of flowed out with communities and a level of trust that's flowed into the borough through that you know the interborough relationships between other individuals that work in other spaces that are experiencing similar frustrations anxieties but then also successes as well there's a much 
everyone's kind of thirsting to connect with each other and kind of share stories and narratives about how they're making change and there's a lot of people kind of better at translating the stuff that's happening into meaningful action locally and I, that, that probably sounds quite convoluted and ambiguous to say but I think probably what I mean by that is that we're all much more willing to listen to much richer stories than kind of that traditional someone just publishes a case study and it's all very good for a little bit and it goes away or it's saved on someone's hard drive and you don't see that you know that case study for for, for, forever whereas I think now is that you're regularly moving into spaces where people just want to share stories and share the connection they're making with each other but then also with the um sort of beneficiaries of the services they provide so there's quite a lot to that there's um sort of recognizing the different roles that lots of different people can play on this agenda embracing the mess and the uncertainty in all of it uh, getting comfortable with that and building those more trusted relationships and a sense of a trusted community I mean that's yeah that sounds like some quite significant shifts potentially across you know in terms of people in the system in terms of the out the impact that that then has is there a particular example or story you could point to that helps illustrate some of those changes yeah I could probably articulate the journey that we've gone on with you know specific community in Trafford that's got a lot of challenges as do quite a number of communities and you know when we started the conversation with that community with myself and my colleague Louise at the time we were very kind of like we were very conscious of our role as kind of gatekeepers of information but also gatekeepers of stories and we've been in numerous kind of workshops conferences where kind of people are you know they're referring to communities problems and lived experience secondhand and we challenged ourselves and we said, well, how, how are we going to bring this community into the room and into the space without physically having to drag people out into lots and lots of meetings? And the solution came through another piece of work that we both attended. We had a piece of training and the thing that kind of stuck with us is a talking head. And it, it basically it just gave the, the story of this individual and the challenges he faced as he came into um, conflict with the different parts of the system and how that was solved simply with the bike. And it all spiralled out of this individual coming to a, a crisis point and effectively coming into contact with the criminal justice system. And the the officers dealing with the situation at the time took a, a very different approach to probably how they would approach it normally. And, and they wanted to understand why. And they they went through this really strong and quite emotive process of asking quite open questions to this individual as to kind of you know what's going on why are you here what, what's what's this all about and that transpired to then a connection with some local social services that then unraveled this story of that the reason he was rushing around and causing problems is because he's really frustrated about not getting to appointments in time and not being able to get access to benefits and all this kind of stuff and then somehow the story of this bike got interjected into this conversation. It was like, well, let's, rather than deal with you in a traditional sense, let's equip you with something that's going to enable you. And that one bike enabled, enabled him to get to all his appointments to the job centre on time, get to all his, his appointments to access his benefits. Subsequently, because he was riding his bike to get to all these appointments and stuff, he wasn't turning up to the GP so often to get medicine that he needed. And it was just 
one of those moments where kind of the video finished and you could hear a pin drop in this in this room of health and social care professionals and then people like myself and Louise who were just kind of well not really sure why we're here but that was just so powerful and we were like we want to create those moments where people have to stop and really think about what that individual has said be it true or not and how they could be part of a solution to answer the issues that that person raised not hypotheticals not for instances not kind of third-hand views on lived experience so we took it upon ourselves to get out into this community we worked with local community leaders uh, social care providers and BCSE organizations to identify probably about four or five individuals who have very different stories all similar problems in terms of they're all challenged by health inequalities socioeconomic issues we tasked an organization to go and ask them some questions about what makes them happy and healthy and I think that's pretty much the question we asked and see what was said and ultimately that produced a series of talking heads that we then kind of effectively took on the road with us uh, whenever we were engaging in meetings and we're like to colleagues and senior leaders in the council well we've got you here could you spare kind of three minutes just to just to listen to something and then we're going to ask you some questions and just kind of reflect on the responses and for some people it was really hard because these people were saying really tough stuff about the service they provided or people within their service quite specifically but it was the truth that needed to be heard to then get people interested in well we can't just approach the solution in the same way we traditionally do. We can't just provide the same outcome because it's clearly not working for those individuals. And those individuals aren't just, you know, one in a million. They're representative of the issues that are being felt by that whole community. That took us on a really long journey, <laughs> engaging with the right people, opening doors, through that being brought into other spaces, which has led us to a situation where now all of that work is effectively underpinning our levelling up fund application that's going in. So that kind of small investment of a couple of hundred pounds in talking heads is probably hopefully, fingers crossed, touch wood, going to deliver several millions of pounds worth of investment into that community. We started here and we just we just went and this is kind of where we're at and we'll just continue going. So it's kind of from small acorns, <laughs> cryptic trees, Great example of how you just bring different voices and lived experience into the room, the difference that can make. And sometimes that's physically people being in the room, be able to share them. But often, just as you said, having those talking heads there and those stories that you can share shifts the whole dynamic, doesn't it, really? Uh, and the difference a bike makes. I always like a story about a bike. <laughs> you knew your audience today. So in terms of then the real challenges that you've hit against what has been the biggest hardest challenges in all of this people are still the biggest challenge within this we still get challenged by people's perceptions of physical activity and movement and there's being very entrenched in quite traditional identities it's sport just sport it's not a rainbow or a spectrum it's quite binary in terms of you either do it or you don't so that that's still a real challenge. We're still learning about how to get to people and through all the noise of the different things that challenges people's lives. And one, I think probably one of the significant challenges that we 
that I see when I when I say we, I'm going to refer refer to the council in that sense is that we're still very good at getting in our own way <laughs> um, and feeling the need to be the conduit or con- control the conversation where there are particularly in the conversations that we've had plenty of situations where we've just kind of said we don't really need to be in this conversation and you don't really need to have this conversation through us and in some cases we've had to do that quite gently because some partners like the comfort of having us in the space but actually it was much richer for the, to, to connect people what have you seen, Richard, in um, sort of following and being part of the Trafford journey, but then in terms of what's been anything particularly that's been different or the same in terms of some of those key challenges in place? Pretty much the same in everywhere, every conversation we have. People are people and you need to understand them. You need to understand their backgrounds, their values, their behaviours, and that takes time. And then you build that relationship, you build that trust, and then they move on. And then you go through the cycle again. So organisationally, that's proved a challenge in some places just because the capacity to build more than one relationship in one part of one organisation isn't there. So you build all of that and funnel a lot of information through one individual and then that individual moves on and you, you then have to go through that, that process again. So there's some sustainability about the relationships in, in organisations. People in communities, again, you've got a whole spectrum of people who are more willing to have an open conversation about where they are where they want to get to to those who are much more closed and untrusting of authority or where they perceive authority to be and they're probably the people you want to speak to most and more frequently but they're the hardest to engage and we still face challenges of bureaucracy on a virtually on a daily basis in terms of trying to understand why we have some of the systems that we have and just how practical they are in terms of delivering outcomes for individuals why do we have those procurement protocols why does it have to be that level of funding and not this level of funding? And why does that need to go there? And why do we need to engage them and not this group? But they're positive problems because they're, the challenges are creating opportunities and um, to try and make changes that seem quite small now, could be, but could be quite significant in the future. Absolutely around process and governance. Red tape and bureaucracy just kills any innovation and idea and, and thinking and thought. Uh, and the ability to act quickly because that's what a lot of people want they want an immediate reaction to what they're saying so they say something to you and they want something done within the next 24 hours they want to see something happen and i think with the with the pilot in particular that's been our biggest challenge the ability to react to a conversation or react to something and go through and jump through the hoops that if the if the investment is landed within a, a local authority it's just not the place to do that the flexibility lies within the, those community organisations, which are run by community members by and large, and they don't have the same. They have the same governance, but they don't feel the same risk. They don't feel that weight of statutory obligation on their shoulders, and they're more willing to just push the boat out and try different things. And I think that strength of relationship that's been created with the local pilot in Trafford in particular with those community organizations that have enabled that fleet of foot reaction to an action and going through the strategy and where they're looking to go next and that's going to be key to make sure things turn quickly. One of the significant journeys that we went on when we were crafting the 
early stages of how the local pilot was going to be delivered in GM was very much that how we were going to do things with people and not to people. And we were in a, a very lucky position in the work that we did in Trafford is that the, the community we went to work with had a really strong community-led partnership. And we could turn up, tell them a local pilot story, and they already had you know plans that they had created and articulated ready to go. Typically, they were kind of looking at us and going, right, you tell us what to do. You tell us where to put the investment. And we were like, well, that's not what we're here for. We're here to listen to you. We're here to be told by you what you want us to invest in. And there was this odd, awkward silence. And I could see people thinking it. Ah, This is a trick. This is the the skeptics in terms of the people that had a checkered past of working with the local authority. Like they're trying to catch us out here. And we we were sort of genuine in our approach. We're here to work for you. Tell us what you'd like to do and we will do it. And that kind of leads back to the conversation that Richard was saying is that we went in with a very much sense of that we needed we needed rapport, we needed quick wins, we needed to build trust. So that meant us probably saying yes to stuff that ooh, that would wind the clock back a couple, 18 months before that, we'd probably got our told off for because it was a bit too it's a bit ambiguous that investment or a bit ambiguous that project. And it's it's not fully formed, but immediately the energy in that room shifted from probability to possibility if you understand what I mean in terms of the energy change in terms of oh well that conversation we've been having with xyz organization down the road or with Flo who lives on xyz high street we can do something like that now can't we and we're like well yes we're in a period where we you know we're learning we can't really say no so why don't we all take advantage of this situation and they did in a positive way, I'll add. And there were things, some things that we had to say no to, and there were some things that they had to say no to. But it set us on a trajectory where we shifted the, I suppose, the concept of what our role would traditionally be in that space in terms of either dictating or we're going to write the theme tune, sing the theme tune, we're going to issue the theme tune, and then we're going to go market the theme tune. We were very much... We want to sit back, we want to hear from you. If we can make it happen, we'll make it happen. If we can't, we'll tell you and we'll be honest about it. And that generation of energy that you refer to, because that's come up so many times of how it leads to this generation of what feels like new energy is created for change and how powerful that is. And my goodness, don't we need that as a system? I think after, you know, two years of a global pandemic, anything that we can do. And sometimes you start at a point that might feel a long way from where you're trying to get to, but that creates energy and enables people to feel that they can do something that's going to lead to change and an agency. And that in itself is, mm-hmm. is phenomenal and worthwhile. Looking ahead, taking all the learning you've got so far and that building energy, mm-hmm. what for you do you think the future looks like? And what would be your key indicators that you're making progress over the next few years? For me, the success is more local people leading more physical activity. We've kind of landed on the the strap line, move more every day. And if we can just have a little bit more, so one extra volunteer, one extra activity, one extra pound of investment, one extra hour of activity, the sum of all that activity will make a significant, you know, we've not come out with a, we want to be the most fittest and healthiest borough in the whole of the UK. We've been quite mindful in the sense that we want more of those things to happen on a local level, 
but we're being quite specific that we're not interested in what's happening across the bor- whole borough. We've got seven communities that we've said that we- where we want to be and we want to be there to make the biggest difference we can for the people that live there. So that's quite a focused approach, which I think is probably a little bit different to probably how sport and physical activity from a strategic sense is sometimes positioned. Sometimes it can be a bit, I suppose, a bit beige, a bit of a need to be something for everybody. But we recognise not everybody needs us. And there are some people that need us a lot more than others. So we need to be in those spaces and need to be working with those people. So success for me is more communities understanding what we've learned through the local pilot so they can go on the same journey that we've been through and maintain and sustain the same level of energy that we've managed to sustain as a group of professionals since we started this conversation, you know, by now you just, you think you just start thinking some people started to lose interest in the conversations that we have around the local pilot and we started kind of getting a bit drained by the whole journey that we've been on. But every time we get together, the I suppose the sense of energy, motivation, possibility, and opportunity is it, still as vibrant as that first meeting we had way back when. And Richard, so for you, knowing what where Tom hopes to go, what do you think would be the biggest thing that's likely to get or could get in the way of that in Trafford? I think the biggest danger of Trafford is Trafford. It's it's getting them themselves getting in the way of themselves. And Tom and the team have done really well to connect, connect across the council, connect in other parts of the system. I think the biggest challenge. I see is that connection falling down and it reverting back to silos and therefore those conversations have no traction and therefore the promises or the conversations with the community become stuck and then you get back into that cycle of distrust and nothing's ever going to change etc and that's going to be even more important as they go into these new communities because these new communities don't know Tom and the team and, and what's going on from, from anything. They don't know anything different to what they've always experienced. So the learning from where they where they tested and learned is to go in, go in quick and get things going, get things moving, build up the trust. And to do that, they need to ensure that those connections in the council are there and they are strong and everyone is is on the same side of the equation and the approach because it would only take one person to step outside and then it starts to all slow down. So I I think there's energy. There's energy across Greater Manchester. There's energy in Trafford. There's a lot of infrastructure and asset there, both in community and in facility, that can get things moving. So just get out of the way and allow it to flourish, allow it to grow. I can see lots of nodding. <laughs> yeah. There are circumstances outside of our sector's control, which could be both a significant boom but could also be the very reason why people go it's a bit too difficult that issue so I'm going to go back to what I know and what I know is this silo of traditionally delivering sport and physical activity because it's safe it's controllable I think people are challenged by the narratives around cost of living and the other significant challenges and priorities that people have to juggle on an everyday basis we still need to be strong and brave with the message that we're conveying despite those things i think the easy thing is to kind of like well we don't want to get away in the, of these bigger issues but what we've been able to demonstrate is that physical activity because of its quite fluid <laughs> capability to connect and bring people together and provide solutions can actually be an opportunity 
to challenge some of these things that are keeping people up at night and keeping people worried. We've talked quite a lot in terms of the principle of bravery as a, as a collective. And I think now we probably need to be a bit more braver than we are usually to kind of check and challenge ourselves and check and challenge the people and the communities we work with to ensure that we can not fall backwards and continue moving forwards. Bravery seems like a good note to end on. Yeah, thank you. It's a really honest and open conversation. I really enjoyed that. My pleasure. Um, Cheers. Take care. Thanks, Tom. And thanks, Richard. Thanks for listening to this GM Moving podcast episode. We've heard how moving matters to everybody and how we can all play a role to design moving back into everyday life. Now, we'd love to hear how you keep moving and the ways you are supporting others to live an active life. You can contact us on our socials, we're on Facebook and Twitter. Just search Greater Sport and don't forget the hashtag DMMovingInAction. Please do share this episode with people and organisations who will find it useful. And join the movement for movement. A big thank you to everyone who's investing in this work and playing their part to test, to learn and to make this happen. This series is a Mike Media production.